0: And welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Going For Two, presented by Home Field Apparel. I am your host of this podcast, Matt Brown, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter. I am joined today by my colleague, friend, and co-host, Brian Fisher. Um, Brian, it's great to talk to you, but it's also great that we have a chance to to bring on a guest, which I think is always a a positive thing here uh, for Going For Two, and a guest who brings a perspective that As insightful as we may occasionally accidentally be, our guest has a perspective that we will never be able to replicate.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about, you know, the SEC and and, uh, having an athlete out of the SEC and and not end up talking about Jimbo Fisher or Nick Saban again. You know, like I I know we're kind of on week two of that saga, but it'll be great to get into our guest who is a Florida uh, women's gymnastics athlete who I I think a lot of folks will will appreciate the perspective of of somebody they probably don't end up hearing from all that often.
0: Yeah, so we are speaking to, to Leah Clapper. Who is a gymnast at the University of Florida? We're going to bring her on here in a second. This is part of a, you know, a, a, a different tweak of the NIL campaigns that we did on Extra Points last summer. Um, you know, last year I paid a handful of athletes to help promote the newsletter on social media. This year I've been trying to pay a couple other athletes to help um, share their perspective either on Extra Points as newsletter writers or on this podcast. And we found a little bit more interest in people wanting to be on the show. And my thinking here. Because I, I don't really care where people go or, or, or where, what sport they play or, or where they're playing it. I'm not, I'm not a secret Florida. Me, a native of Columbus, Ohio, not a secret Florida bag man. Um, but it's easy for Brian and I to talk to administrators and to talk to people that run NIL marketplaces or consultancies or attorneys or lawmakers or all these other people. Not just about NIL, but about college athletics administration in general. But when we talk about these things, they are theoretical to some people who have, who have suits instead of desks. They're not theoretical to the actual athletes, and it can be hard to get their perspective. So uh, I'm excited to talk to Leah, and I've talked to Leah a couple other times here before, uh, to talk not just about her, I think, unique perspective at NIL, because she is an athlete that is uncommonly engaged in this world, uh, but also to talk about mental health and talk about balancing uh, all of the immense pressure and competing priorities on her already very limited time, um, so maybe I, I, you know, without further ado, I guess let's go, uh, let's kick it to our expert here. Let's let's bring Leah on. Leah, thank you so much for joining us here. It's a, a pleasure to have uh, to have you join the podcast. I, I was wondering if maybe we can start because I'm guessing that most of our audience are not diehard gymnastics fans, and many of them are not Florida fans. I'm wondering if maybe you can. Take this opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you ended up uh, uh, in in the gymnastics community and ended up in Florida.
2: Absolutely. I'd love to. So, yeah, for starters, I'm a gymnast at University of Florida. I'm a rising super senior, so about to take my fifth year. Woohoo. That's very exciting. Um, Thank you, COVID, I suppose. I know that's a weird thing to say, but yes, I've been doing gymnastics for Over 20 years at this point, I started when I was one and a half. I was a super energetic toddler. My parents like to tell the story of me walking around the top of a blow-up pool and doing backflips off the couch when I was just a toddler. So they stuck me in gymnastics classes, little parent and toddler classes, and I honestly never looked back. I just fell in love with flipping and the feeling of accomplishment when you get a new skill and learn a new crazy flip of any sort and just really fell in love with the sport and always would look up to college gymnasts ever since I was little going to college gymnastics meets and just thinking oh, I want to be out there one day I want to be an elite gymnast one day I want to be an NCAA gymnast one day and it's really surreal for me to say that I accomplished both of those things i did senior elite gymnastics which for non gymnastics fans that's the highest level that you can reach in the gymnastics world it's the level of the olympians which is the easiest way to describe it yeah. but i was nowhere close to going to the olympics but i did compete against them and then obviously came here to university of florida so that's the bird's eye overview of how i how i got here and super I mean, so thankful for my experience as a Gator. It's been it's been an amazing four years so far.
0: Just I want to make sure that I heard this correctly. You were saying that you were doing backflips as a toddler.
2: Well, I was doing like like more roll type situations. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. yeah, there are videos of me doing backflips, not like jumping back. Sure. But rolling for sure. Yeah, when I was like one and a half years old.
1: Brian, can your kids do that, Brian? Uh, you know, my son likes to do the barrel roll. That's 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 a big thing for him, and I, I think my daughter. You know, she 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 might be uh, on this same track. She's not uh, not quite in terms of doing the actual flips, but uh, the cartwheels and all that stuff. She's definitely on board with that stuff.
0: I don't want to roast my. Well, you know what? I am going to roast my children because they got on my Twitter account and they roasted me. My kids are much older, and they're they're not ready to do flips. So I'm, I'm, I it sounds like I'm thinking SEC gymnastics is maybe not the the pathway that, the, that they're on right now. Um, Leo, one, I, I I appreciate that. One, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is among all of the college athletes that I've had a chance to speak to over the last year and a half, you are it probably in the top you know one or two percent in terms of being really engaged with NIL. And I would love to hear you know, maybe, maybe just maybe at a very broad level about the information that you were getting as an as a as an athlete from Florida or from agents or from other people in this space because. I, I know a lot of people that are, are, are have similar athletic profiles to you and they haven't really engaged in this world or they're not really sure where to start. Clearly, you did. What was that process like uh, for you?
2: Absolutely. Well, I'm super passionate about NIL. I could talk about it all day. But basically, when I first heard about NIL potentially happening, I was so pumped because ever since I was in my later high school years, I just had an entrepreneurial itch. And was like, it'd be really cool to start a business. How can you make money online? I mean, my Google search history was probably like, how to make money online as a teenager? How to make money as a a high school junior? Like, easy side hustles to do as a teenager, like, or before you're 18. I mean, just silly stuff like that because I was always looking for a project. I love jumping into projects and Then I decided to start a food blog in 2018 during my senior year of high school, just as a fun side project. And I had been learning about food blogging just because I'm constantly curious and like to ingest as much information as I can. So I was listening to all these podcasts and reading other food blogs and learning about how people make it as a food blogger. And I found out about you know, sponsorships and affiliate links and all that good stuff on how to monetize a blog. And I was like, that sounds really cool. But of course, you know, all my hopes and dreams. I mean, they didn't go crashing down because I did not have traction. (laughs) But I was like, oh, wait, if I were to take a sponsorship or something like that, I would jeopardize my NCAA eligibility. And that stinks. It's like that just doesn't feel right because everybody else in the world can make money off of their personal brands and college athletes aren't allowed to. So I was a little disappointed, but I was like, whatever, like I care about healthy eating and I enjoy cooking. And this is a fun creative outlet for me. So I'm going to keep doing it anyway. And I learned so much through the process of starting a food blog and had a lot of fun with that. But when I heard about NIL, I was like, finally, like this is what all the information that I've been – learning over the past couple of years, it can come to life and actually turn into a business for me because I've always wanted to be my own boss and start my own company of some sort. I've always thought that I would enjoy that. And I still do, that's still my dream for sure. But when I heard about NIL, I was like, all right, let's build the brand. Let's see what we can do. Let's come up with creative ideas because I knew that my platform, I mean, in considerations for a normal person, like several thousand followers on Instagram. I mean, that's a lot of people like that can fill the O-Dome where we compete. And if you think about it, that's a pretty big audience, but in comparison to a lot of other big name college athletes, and of course, um, content creators and celebrities, it's not that big. And, I was like, okay, there are not going to be brands lining up at my door to work with me or sending emails, just offering sponsorships. And so I knew I was going to have to work for it and learn a lot about pitching brands and building my audience even more and creating an engaged community online. And I was able to start diving into those things before NIL even started just to try to give myself a little head start. And just see where it took me when NIL came about. So that's a little bit how I started, I suppose. And I can totally talk about what I've done since that July 1st, 2021 start date.
0: I I do want to talk about that. I mean, one, I I think I speak for a lot of people when I say, it is unusual for others, to, for other people to say, yes, I would like to talk about my high school search history on a, on a podcast listened to by thousands of people. Leah, well, I'm glad you chose to do that. I will not. Thank you. Um, but it, it, it's, it does from hearing you talk about this. It seems like this was a continuation of a deeply held personal interest before last July and that you it sounded like you, you, you had done, think thought about a lot of this stuff. Well, well, beforehand. Before hearing about what you did, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what were some of the things that you heard from your coaches or from your athletic department or your institution as last summer was happening and over the last couple of months? Because I'm guessing most of your teammates and most of your friends didn't share that same initial self-drive three years before NIL started, right?
2: Absolutely. And first of all, I mean, yeah, now looking back and thinking about what I was looking at, like, that's so cringy. I'm like, why was I doing that? It's kind of funny. But yeah, so when NIL started, it honestly felt like everybody was confused, including myself, because I was so excited about NIL starting that I kept asking our media team and our communications directors and the coach as i was like do you know anything about this is mil really happening because for a while it was kind of a yellow light like is this actually gonna go through is it actually right. gonna happen and i was just crossing my fingers hoping it did because i wanted it to go through sooner rather than later because i was approaching the end of my college gymnastics eligibility i was like i want to take advantage of this while i'm still a student athlete and up until probably a couple of weeks Before July 1st, nobody really had any useful information. If I'm being perfectly honest, everyone was kind of like, yeah, we're not exactly sure what's going to happen. We'll keep you updated. I was like, okay, like I would love those updates and just following along with the news. And when July 1st finally rolled around, I do remember some very clear communication from the university athletic association here at university of Florida. That was just a couple of PDFs. Like this is what the Florida state law says and how you need to comply with it. And they took the policies and made it into a nice little cheat sheet for us. And that was definitely really helpful. And there was a couple of other, you know, information, documents that helped us out as well. Just the basic rules, the basic outlines of, okay, here's what you can do. And here's what you can't do, but the gray areas (laughs) were not addressed very much. And, you know, I learned about um, having to license any media that the Gators gave you and renting out facilities for NIL stuff, things like that I learned from there at University of Florida. As far as the coaches go, I think the coaches were more curious about what we were doing and what we were thinking than readily giving information because they're like, oh, like, this is cool. Have you done anything yet? And just kind of asking and having conversations about it, but honestly, not very often. And it felt like, okay, University of Florida, they're trying here, but it feels like they're confused too, if I'm being perfectly honest. And I was just trying to seek out information and honestly, people didn't have very much, which was understandable because it was all so new, but just trying to get started and feeling that anxiety of, I don't want to do anything wrong here, but I want to go after these opportunities opportunities was really confusing and a little bit overwhelming. And I can see how many other athletes were like, okay, this is too crazy for me. Like, I'm just going to sit back and wait. And a lot of people, other athletes that I know included, like, okay, I don't know where to start. So I'm just not going to do anything yet, even though they're interested in pursuing NIL opportunities. Let me ask whoever I can to make sure that what I'm doing is a-okay. And let me just start doing it because I've got a limited time here and my time as a student athlete and I want to make the most of it. That's my number one goal ever since I got to University of Florida is make the absolute most of my time as a student athlete and enjoy every moment and take every opportunity that I can.
1: Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, uh, you know, kind of the, the unpreparedness uh, aspect of things, given that uh, you're in a state that did have one of those NIL laws that were coming into effect in July 1st. And we'll get into a little bit of that in, in a second. But I'm curious, since since things have kind of the, the switch has been flipped and, and starting to do NIL deals, do you talk about it with, with your teammates? Like, I, I mean, are you are you discussing dollar figures? Are you discussing brand ideas that you've had or are you doing collaborations like like what is that team dynamic when it comes to NIL?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's really interesting because what I've found is it can actually feel a little bit taboo to talk about NIL deals with even your teammates and friends, just because everybody has different opportunities presented to them and has different platform sizes. And is going after different goals in NIL, and it can be kind of weird. It's almost like you don't want to talk about what you're doing because it might make somebody feel bad if they're not getting the same opportunities or vice versa, like they're doing so good and like I'm not, and it's embarrassing and it can feel really weird to discuss those things. Um, But I've had some great conversations with a few of my teammates who have also jumped in to NIL Hardcore and have been doing some really, really incredible things. So we've kind of broken that barrier of this is kind of weird to talk about and have gotten to the point where we're all helping each other out and sharing ideas and sharing our experiences. And after those conversations, it's just, it feels so refreshing because it's like, oh, I'm not the only one that's experiencing that. And that struggle that I'm going through like I'm not alone and it feels good because we're in it together and can help each other out. I mean, I've gotten some great ideas and some great, you know, suggestions of how to deal with things from my teammates. And I hope that I've been able to do the same for them and putting that all together. Like I've noticed that's happening across sports because there's a lot of, or at least between athletes that I know and athletes that I've talked to, there's a lot of people that are jumping into NIL, but a lot of people that aren't, they don't feel confident to, or they're just not sure where to start or whatever, whatever it might be. It can be weird to talk about NIL stuff with people that aren't pursuing the same goals. And so that's why I decided to create an NIL community, because that's the one thing that I feel like has been missing from the NIL space. I've talked to so many different agents and attorneys and NIL business owners, and it's been honestly, the most incredible networking experience and learning experience. And just I've learned so much about NIL in the past several months and gotten to meet some really, really cool people doing awesome stuff in NIL, which has been awesome. And there's so many great businesses that are connecting athletes with brands or helping athletes or whatnot. But what I never found was a community where student athletes can talk to their teammates, talk to athletes that they don't know that are pursuing the similar goals and really discuss these things because it can feel weird and everybody's having the same questions. I mean, not exactly, but there's a lot of constant yeah. athletes and across schools. So that's uh, been a, a huge project for me this year. And I'm really, really excited to launch it because I think it is going to offer a lot of value in just starting to talk about these things among athletes more and um, being able to help each other out because it goes a really long way. We've got each other's backs.
0: Before I I shift to something else, I'd love to know what some of those questions are that you've seen in in your experience from talking to other athletes. What are the kind of things that Are are you popping up again and again and again, because I can sit here and I can answer the same friggin seven questions I get from every AD all the time. I'm guessing those aren't the same questions that pop up from other gymnasts or softball or basketball players.
2: Yeah. So the number one thing that I hear is, okay, what's my worth? People have no idea what they should be charging for sponsored posts on social media in particular. And it's crazy because the influencer marketing industry is just overall all over the place. Like for example, it's not new. Yeah. There'll be a brand that will offer a free shampoo for an Instagram reels and another brand that offers $500 and, you know, same person, same following, same engagement, some, even maybe it's a similar brand, but like they just have different budgets and campaign goals and things like that. But knowing what you're worth and knowing like how to negotiate to get compensated what you're worth is another huge question as well so like what should i be charging how do i reach out to brands people that don't have agents i mean athletes that have agents the agents can take care of all that stuff but for the rest of the athletes that maybe don't have as big of a platform. It's like, okay, how do I actually get sponsorships? Because sometimes brands will reach out directly to you via email or Instagram DM or whatever it is. And sometimes you can find things on NIL marketplaces, which I think are really cool. But most deals, at least in my personal experience and from what I've read, are not happening on NIL marketplaces they are happening separately. Um, And so it's like, how do I, I want to work with this company, how should I go about it? And learn how to pitch to brands and negotiate the deals. So that's another huge question. The third question that I hear a lot is, should I sign this deal? Like, I don't know if this is a good idea for my long term success or not. And if you're questioning it, I always say it might be a good idea to say no, that's what goes through my mind. But it's an interesting thing to think about. And I've personally come up with these seven questions that I go through every time to say, if I should say yes or not and make a confident decision for my brand long-term and I actually created it, um, made those questions into a quiz so that any athlete can take it, which I find super helpful, I have it bookmarked. Um, but that's another big question. And yeah, just really how to get sponsorships, how they work how to negotiate them. Those are some of the biggest questions that I hear as well as some athletes are, you know, entrepreneurial and myself included, but some of my teammates and other athletes that I know have amazing ideas and it's just like with starting any business, where in the world do I start and trying to figure that out?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You there. You, you touched on something I, I think that's important, right? If for people that don't have agents and are trying to navigate this world, it takes time. It takes time to go navigate marketplaces. It takes time to figure out who you want to pitch. It takes time to do the research to figure out what you might want to charge. Yeah. And Leah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have talked to enough athletes to understand that your lives are very busy. You have a lot of practice obligations. <laughs> you have to do a lot of traveling. You have all these other things here one of the one of the topics that Brian and I are trying to get our arms around is better articulating that's a, that's simply an enormous amount of pressure and we, we saw from the NCAA today that many of your peers uh, particularly women athletes are struggling with handling all of those pressures and handling all those different demands and handling the, the various mental health challenges that come from having to compete at a high level and achieve academically at a high level, and have some semblance of a social life, and now have to, you know, pressures to, to do things commercially. I'd like to know if there are strategies that have worked well for you, or advice that you've heard as an athlete that's been helpful in navigating all of those demands, because I imagine it's not easy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I... Sometimes feel like I have four full-time jobs, not even going to lie. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I you know that do. I'm absolutely not. The only, I mean, all athletes. yeah, all athletes are experiencing it and it's pretty crazy, but it's an adventure. And I like to look at it from a perspective of gratitude because it's the coolest thing that I've Ever gotten to be a part of being a college athlete. And it's just amazing that I get to do the sport that I absolutely love, that I've been working my whole life to get to this point with an amazing family here at University of Florida. I mean, my teammates and coaches and everyone is so close. So I'm surrounded by amazing people who are just there to help me. I get to do the sport I love. I get to getting incredible education from one of the top public universities in the country. And I get to do all of that while building businesses and passion projects that I'm super pumped about and can set me up for success after college, and also capitalizing on my own name, image, and likeness. I mean, those are all really, really cool. And I find that my schedule is packed with practice, which, I mean, I'm the kind of person that just loves being in the gym. It's my happy place, and so I look forward to that. It's honestly my outlet at this point uh, is gymnastics and getting all my energy out. And so my week's filled with practice. It's filled with so many Zoom meetings for NIL stuff and business stuff and exciting things. Could you imagine another... I get to. Yeah,
0: another Zoom meeting. (laughs) Sorry.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Interviews, things like this. It's just so much fun and all things that I love to do. I get to meet so many amazing people thanks to NIL. And it's just really exciting. And also, I'm getting a great education and doing school. And I have no idea how I've already finished two degrees, but we're at that point. And sometimes it can feel crazy overwhelming. And I just like, am going to bed one night and I'm like, I have absolutely zero idea how I'm going to get done all the things that I've committed to get done. Because it's just crazy. And I'm like calculating it in my head, if I do this, then and this, then like, how is it going to happen? And I'm just like, wow, take a step back, because it's really cool that you get to do all these things. And just embrace the overwhelm that's the mindset that i decided to take on this year because i realized that i'm an ambitious person and see it as like a game almost like okay i'm doing all these cool stuff how can i win at all the things and enjoy it instead of feeling overwhelmed And i know that i'm always going to be busy because i like to be busy so might as well enjoy it instead of waiting until oh waiting until the next vacation or the next break or the next weekend off i'm like nah like let me enjoy it now this is cool and embrace the overwhelm so that's my little motto for right now and then on top of that of course there's all these practical tools that help me number one being prioritization like at those times when i'm like i can't get all this done okay Let me write it all out and let me cross out the things that don't absolutely need to be done because sometimes you have a to do list and it can feel like it's all level 100 important, but actually half of it is like level seven important and it doesn't need to be done right now. And I recently learned about this framework that it's a quadrant and you have like urgent and important. Um, non-urgent, but important, non-urgent, non-important, and urgent, not important. And like, depending on which quadrant things are in, then you decide what you do first and things like that. So just random frameworks like that have helped me for sure in prioritization, as well as prioritizing my wellness and my mental health and my happiness. Because I know if I don't get enough sleep, if I don't eat well and if I don't like get outside, go for a walk, talk to my mom, like those basic things that I know make me happy and make me feel like a person that's not just like being productive all the time, that keeps me going, that energizes me. And I know that if I can stay solid on my nutrition and my sleep and my recovery and the things that like me time a little bit of self care in there very small a little tiny bit of social life. I mean, I honestly think that's the one thing that I've been lacking this to, these past uh, few years in college because of the pandemic and because I am just way too ambitious and try to do too many things. But prioritizing those things as well, and because that fills you up for being productive when you have, when you have to actually get things done.
1: I mean, this is a particularly interesting subject given that at University of Florida, uh, the women's soccer coach was recently fired for, for I believe the formal term was, was a disconnect with their student-athletes. But what kind of resources ha- has the athletic department and, and the school itself kind of provided you and your other athletes in terms of supporting your mental health, making sure you guys are okay? Uh, obviously, that that's top of mind given some of the investigations that we've seen, some of the uh, obviously recent news events uh, surrounding a, a lot of female athletes in particular – how, how is the school supporting you guys and, and really making sure that uh, you guys are, are prioritized?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we have access to psychologists anytime that we need and tons of resources through the Hawkins Center, which is um, like the academic center here at University of Florida. And there's tons of resources and Definitely more resources as a student athlete than as a normal student. It's easy access. Like it's one text and you can go and schedule a time to talk about your mental health. And that's really helpful because the resources are readily available. And if something's not working, then they'll help you find a different way to make it work. And the coaches, my coaches in particular, have been really understanding with just, you know, if somebody's having or going through a rough patch, and they're there to help us become our best selves and deal with any mental health issues that we may be having, as well as just the team in general. I'm really thankful that my teammates are all really open about how they're feeling and mental health struggles. And we've had some really vulnerable and important genuine conversations about that kind of stuff. And I just truly feel 100% supported by my teammates in every way. And I hope that everyone else on my team feels the same. But I think like coming from the team is has been a huge thing that Like we have each other's backs and a positive coaching environment as well. I'm very grateful for that. And then just like tons of resources at University of Florida. And of course, mental health is individual. And so there are a lot of things to help, but it almost feels like you have to like, you have to figure out yourself on your own a little bit too. And it's great that University of Florida will support, support athletes, um, in every way that they can. But like, there's also a lot more opportunity for more resources. I know that other athletes that I'm close with have been great advocates for mental health among athletics. And it's really cool to see other people talking about that kind of stuff and prioritizing it and trying to bring more help to athletes because, you know, it's like a crazy life. To be a college yeah. athlete, and it's so awesome, but there are insane demands. So it's it's really cool to see that. I know there's been some cool stuff through SAC and other other things as well.
0: I, I um, if I'm if I'm trying to synthesize what 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 I what I, what I, I think I heard here, you I've heard you mention about. It's, it's great that there are actual like physical resources that Florida has, and it's great that you have a, a team-specific culture and a coach culture that encourages those vulnerable conversations, and you know you have other people within like your, your little group you are supporting you, if, if, I'm, if I'm hearing that right. There's a lot of administrators who are probably listening to this, and this is something when I talk to an AD, to a man and to a woman, they say, well, we think athlete mental health support is so important, but they don't always know what that means in practice. Right. I'm wondering if, if, you know, if somebody, if an a, some, another AD came to you and said, you know, what advice would you give to administrator about how to actually support their athletes? What kinds of things yeah. would, you, would you say to them besides making sure you have a coach that cares about this stuff too?
2: Right, absolutely. And I think that's a wonderful question. I mean, I wish I had a wonderful answer, but I might not have the solution. But I personally believe that it starts with conversations and it starts with making a comfortable environment where student athletes feel safe to express their concerns, express their ideas, express the things that they're going through, because that can really open the door for productive conversations on how to move forward and what resources or what practical things are needed for student athletes to succeed. And I think that mental health has been put on the Back burner for too long. I mean, we we spend twenty hours a week working on our sport. We spend probably ten hours a week working on recovery with athletic trainers. We spend a ton of time sleeping. I mean, I hope hopefully so. yeah. people are getting like seven to nine hours. Yeah, and lots of time eating and there's nutritionists and things like that. And I mean, those are all important things that contribute to success in, in sports, and also as a person. And that's, I mean, I don't know, mental math, how many hours that exactly added up, but it's a very large proportion of a week. And if you think about the time that's spent focusing on mental health, it's usually a lot less than all of those categories. And so just being able to kind of make those things into a regular part of your routine. I mean, that is up to the athletes, but like anything that coaches and administrators can do to facilitate, you know, taking care of your own mental health and also providing resources to help people. I mean, I think that's huge. I know, for example... We had one of the psychologists come in and teach us about meditation. And we've had sports performance consultants come in and teach us about breath work. And it's like, why are we waiting until like, why didn't I learn this when I was like five or six years old? Why am I 20 now? and This is the first time that I'm learning these breathing techniques. And I think that just mainstream culture has been moving towards those kind of things, for sure. But like incorporating like discussions and practices regarding um, just mental health things that help a lot of people. I mean, like journaling and meditation and that kind of stuff, that's huge. And that can make a big difference in individual people's lives. And um, just like bringing in people to talk about that kind of stuff and give athletes ideas and more tools and resources in their toolkit that they can use to become better athletes and better people as well. I mean, I think I've, I've learned a lot of new of new techniques and tools that I can use to like prioritize my mental health since I've come to university of Florida. And I mean, I hope that I continue to learn more and see, see what works for me and that kind of stuff. So I think that's hopefully that was a helpful answer, but I think that's something that I have definitely valued is learning about those practical steps that you can individually take to, to prioritize your mental health. Even if it's, even if it's not like, um, you know, a deep conversation or going to therapy. It it, it doesn't always
0: have to be. I mean, I think you said something very important earlier in this conversation about how mental health is very personal and the kind of structure and support that you build for one person isn't going to look the same as it is for anybody else right if i do a somersault i'm going to be sore for three days because i'm 34 and a little bit overweight so clearly my self-care is not going to look the same as your kind of gym time um and uh, the, the point i would imagine is to give people the structure and the support to help figure out what that system looks like i think you i think you did give some important uh advice there um brian did you have anything else here real quick
1: well, I, I did want to before we go is just kind of get into a little bit about gymnastics itself and at, at the college level. I'm sure not a lot of our listeners are, are maybe you know diehard gym fans, but it, it is Yet. a growing sport. Yes, Exactly because it is it is a growing sport. We already saw you know a number of records even around the SEC in terms of attendance set at, at a number of venues. Uh, you know what what is kind of the state of state of affairs in, in college gymnastics and, and where is it kind of going from here?
2: Oh my gosh! Well, I have this belief that. Not to say anything bad about basketball, but I think that gymnastics is going to be as big as basketball someday. And I don't think that day is too far away because people, I mean, we have some diehard fans here and people, they make their Friday nights revolve around gymnastics meets, just like people make their Saturdays revolve around football games. And because it's, of course, I'm biased, but because it's such a cool sport, it's fun to watch. It's supportive. It's like, nobody really boos at gymnastics meets, except for LSU. They do boo. But <laughs> <laughs> overall, <laughs> overall, it's a supportive environment. It's family-friendly. It's so much fun, in my opinion. I mean, gymnastics is really cool. Like, we're doing amazing stuff. I don't know how half the things that I even do myself are humanly possible. I'm not sure how I'm doing the flips, but I'm doing them. And it's really fun to watch. Gymnastics meets are pretty short. They're made for TV, honestly. Yeah, they're We've great got TV. commercial breaks. And I think that it the gaining popularity is going to continue because it's a pretty cool sport and now that it's more widespread televised, like it was so cool to be the first ever dual meet televised on ABC earlier this year with the uh, University of Florida versus Alabama meet um which was so much fun and absolutely electric but when young gymnasts that are sitting at home seeing these gymnastics meet on tv i mean that's inspiring and when there's more people that are starting the sport i mean it just continues the flywheel of growth and i see it becoming a bigger sport and hopefully People get as hype about gymnastics as they do about basketball in the future. And I will say some people do get definitely as hype as, uh, but yeah. more people.
0: Uh, the I mean, I, I, I for one, hope that the sport continues to grow. It does make excellent television. It's a fun participatory event. Although I will say, if it does grow to that level, you do realize that more people are going to be talking shit than just LSU fans. Like, th- this, this is something that I assume you're okay with, right? Like...
2: Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen the gym turnet on Twitter. But they're ruthless. There's some crazy things out there. Like there was a tweet the other day who is the most underrated gymnast you've ever seen? And there's like so many replies. And I was honestly about to retweet it and be like, how's or quote tweet it and be, how's about who's the most. Oh, they said, who's the most overrated? I'm sorry, I messed that up. They were like, who's the most overrated? And I was was thinking, that's kind of rude. So I was gonna quote Tweet it and say, who's the most underrated? But people are like, ew, she shouldn't have gotten a 10. She bent her knee. That was a step on the landing. Um, So-and-so doesn't deserve this score. The judging is absolutely insane. People are getting like insane mad about stuff. And also there's just as many people that are super supportive and, you know, saying awesome things. So it is like any other sport in that way, but I do suspect internet will get a little bit crazier if it it grows even more.
0: Well, you know, we, we, we don't, this podcast does not support people being personal, uh, and, and, and going after athletes, but, um, you know, having, having some athletes play the heel and having somebody that you can root against is part of what makes the sport super compelling. It's, it's, uh, it's part of what's made the WNBA and the NWSL more fun when there are people that are like, listen, I, I respect you as an athlete, as a human being, as a daughter of God. I hope you're very successful on the field. I think you suck. And, you know, maybe if that happens more, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a sign you're progressing a little bit. Although it's obviously great to have an overwhelmingly positive fan base as well. Um,
2: It's a little bit interesting because gymnastics, you don't want to see anybody fall and you don't want to see anybody get hurt, especially. But you want your team to do just that much better. So it's a little bit of an interesting dynamic because it's like you, even if you hate the other team, you still don't want them to like fall all over the place and crash and burn. You just want to make sure your team does that much better.
0: Uh, this, this, this is a good point. I, you're, you're less worried about actual physical injury if, if someone just can't shoot in basketball. Um, right. Leah, thank you so much for taking some time here to chat with us. Real quick, before we let you go, would you mind reminding our audience about that new NIL project that you're starting? Because I know you talked about it, but I I you know I, I, I want to give you a chance to to let everybody know about it before we let you go.
2: Yes, absolutely. So my NIL business is called NIL Island, and it's about to launch. The website is live, so you can find it at nilisland.com. And it's really a community where student athletes can help each other find NIL success. And I see myself being positioned in a place to not directly compete with any other NIL Business out there, marketplaces, agents, whomever. I see this community as being able to help all of those stakeholders as well. And most importantly, athletes. So I'm super excited about it. It's going to, there's going to be tons of resources for student athletes as well as discussion points about NIL and questions and struggles. And I'm going to be pushing out a ton of content um, via email newsletter and on social media soon as well. So, if anybody's interested and wants to talk to me about NIL Island, I'm happy to happy to do that. Uh, just putting that out there. But yeah, I'm super excited about it, and I think that it will be able to help a lot of athletes and become a really cool thing in the future. So,
0: no, Leah, well, we appreciate it. Thank thank you so much. We appreciate your time and good luck with the with everything else.
2: Yes, thank you so much
0: um before we get a chance to unpack everything right there i do want to quickly talk about another institution that is very much supportive of florida athletics that is of course our sponsor home field apparel um you may not know this but whenever home field apparel drops a new school as part of a big new saturday type uh thing they there's a big chart right and they track to see uh you know which school has, has, has sold the most stuff there on opening day uh, Brian, do you know off the top of your head which university uh, overwhelmingly is number one for day one sales?
1: Yeah, that would be the uh, the Florida Gators, who uh, I believe blew past pretty much everybody and left uh, pretty much everybody in their wake. As uh, as as pointed out by a few of our, our good friends who are also uh, UF alums.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sick and tired of all the Florida grads in sports media. They're they're almost as annoying as Northwestern ones. But uh, and, and here they actually do occasionally have scoreboards they can point to, unlike the Northwestern of the middle mafia. Um, so you can buy a bunch of really cool Florida stuff on, on our friends at Homefield home field apparel. You can buy some Washington Husky stuff. I'm wearing my uh, bow down to Washington Husky shirt. We've got the, that's such a
1: good shirt. That's, is, such, that's, I, I, uh, I, and I'm not usually a yellow person, but yeah. uh, you know, just just having the mountaineer uh, and, and Yosef uh, and uh, just the, the, the colors, the the logo, it, it just, it just all fits perfectly.
0: Well, I'm very much pro mascot smoking. Um, There are good animals that smoke, which is funny. I don't, I don't, I don't smoke myself. I don't, I'm not really in favor of big tobacco, but mascots, cartoony animals smoking are great old timey uh, people, mascots that have pipes, cigars, tobacco, uh, accoutrement. Very, very, very pro. You can get those on home field apparel. The last shirt that dropped last uh, school that dropped uh, last week, we teased this before Arkansas. So good. Yes. Lots of really angry cartoonish. We teased it. Dogs. We teased it. We, teased, we teased, it.
1: teased
0: it. Well, you know what's coming next, right? You know, you know who's 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 ahead of next week. We've been teasing this before. Hey, a couple of big name Pac-12 schools are are coming up. Next one, it's time to finally consider
1: Arizona State. I mean, listen, ASU fans. I know you're kind of upset about your state of your program, especially on the football side and how things are going in Tempe. This you is a should. good way to kind of channel some of that anger into. You know, having, having some school pride again is, is this home field collection because it uh, it, it's it's going to be good.
0: Yeah. Ch- that's right. Ch- listen, you can eat your feelings, which is what I do, which is why I look the way that I do. That's 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 a great way to, a great healthy way to handle emotional distress. You can also do retail therapy. And what better way to do that than by buying a bunch of Arizona State stuff on homefieldapparel.com. And when you do, use promo code Extra Points to save 15% on your order and... Uh, let people know, uh, let the people at home field know that they should continue to support this podcast. Also, if you're an athletic director, somebody in the marketing department, somebody in the MMR department who's thinking, hey, uh, why the internet's going to be talking about Arizona State here for a week, they should be talking about my school. I completely agree. My email is matt at extrapointsmb.com. Drop me a note and I'll be happy to put you in touch with the people at the good brand so we can get your stuff on their website and you can then send, uh, make sure the nerds on the internet are talking about your school, which is wonderful. Um, I'm appreciative, I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to talk with Leah. Uh, I think it is, It have to be wired a certain way to be a high achiever athletically, academically, and now commercially, and I think it's pretty clear that, that a lot of that was happening even before NIL was happening, or that's just kind of the way that she's set up here. But um, Florida is one of these schools that I think it's fair to say are among the institutions that are taking NIL the most seriously and have given athletes some of the most resources and you have some of the the more plugged in industry people uh, in that kind of ecosystem, I think it's useful to talk to somebody to see like what it actually looks like for them rather than just what you and I are talking about because we read press releases and talk to ADs all day, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important to kind of keep that viewpoint in in mind. Like, this is about the student athletes. Yeah, they're the ones going on out on the field and competing and, and wearing those school colors. But uh, you know, their their experiences too can can vary so widely, and, and you know, within the school and within the athletic department, within your conference, within your, uh, you know, w- w- within your region of the country, and uh, you know, especially within their, the sports. And I think it's particularly interesting with women's gymnastics. I, I think we, we kind of mentioned it there towards the end. Just the the explosion and growth in that sport. Um, is leading to a lot of these opportunities for, for NIL uh, with these athletes that really weren't there. And particularly so given this is an Olympic sport, there's obviously a ton of interest every four years in, in terms of women's gymnastics, but this is a way, especially in college to kind of keep things going on, on, on a year to year basis. And because you're doing that consistently because you're out in the marketplace, because these student athletes are, are uh, you know, consistently kind of taking advantage of these NIL opportunities, it does kind of grow the whole sport. And so it is, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure if I'm quite with Leah's uh, prediction there that it'll be a uh, approaching basketball anytime soon but uh, i i can understand buying into this because uh, i think this is a, a stock if it if it were a stock it would be uh, certainly pointing in the uh, up up arrow
0: yeah uh, i mean i i'm definitely not gonna say it's gonna outpace basketball either if no other reason than it's uh you can walk up three blocks in any city in America and go find an outdoor outdoor court to go hoop. And I, I just balance beams are a little bit harder to find.
1: Yeah, I mean, just, there's <laughs> a there's a little bit of uh, sport bias there, but which we completely understand. That's that's fine. We're, we're, we're not we're not here to
0: litigate that we're here. We're here to pass the microphone. But in terms of uh, increased media exposure, in terms of, of television availability, uh, certainly in the SEC, the in-person passion for this sport is enormous. Yeah. Um, when I worked for SB Nation and I was in charge of running a bunch of college sites, it was not uncommon for traffic about gymnastics coverage in the SEC and in the Pac-12 to outstrip that baseball coverage. Um, or, uh, or, or, you know, if the team sucked, sometimes men's basketball coverage uh, as well. There, the people who care about this, like, you know, if for Utah, right? If the men's yeah. basketball team yeah. is, is bad and the gymnastics team is cooking, more people when I was there would read about the gymnastics team. Like, that's that's a real thing. Um, it it would be nice after all of the uh, hand wringing and existential crisisy kind of nil stories. And I've written a bunch of those because I really do believe that. It is also worth pointing out that there's some there's some real growth potential, not just in terms of the athletes themselves, but potentially the enterprise as a whole. Gymnastics does seem like a good place uh, to test that. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah.
1: particularly because there is so much interest in the sport, right? Because the, yeah. the fans of gymnastics that are going out to the meets that are watching on TV now, they are so engaged and they're engaged with these athletes. So I think that's, uh, you know, you want to call it some, some people will say it's kind of a niche sport or, or they'll say it's an, an Olympic sport, but because you're able to not only get that connection with these athletes, you know, it, it really even makes, makes them more valuable. They might not be uh, as followed or, you know, kind of out in the community as, as say a football player, especially at an SEC school, but because they have such a deep, deeper connection with a lot of their fans out there, it does kind of enhance their NIL yeah. uh, opportunities.
0: Yep. A lot of them have big social media followings there, too. Um, I have written, I said I wasn't going to write about NIL here for a minute, and that was a lie. Uh, I, I, <laughs> the, the schedule changed a little bit. I did write on Extra Points earlier this week behind our paywall about one of the the, the major challenges in writing about this industry is getting accurate data. We don't really know, and this goes into what Leah was saying too about, well, how much should I charge? Well, we don't really, really know what the going rate is for a gymnast. We have better information for gymnasts than we do for football players because there aren't a lot of gymnasts being uh, supported by collectives. But I explained in that story about why it's hard to get data and why that's not being reported to schools, why it's not being reported to compliance software companies or marketplaces and uh, how that kind of changes how we should we should cover the industry in general or how people make decisions. We also have a bunch of, I think, very interesting Collegiate Sports Connect videos have been published the past couple of days here. We've got one coming up about uh, about volleyball, if you're interested in other women's, women's sports. We have some with multiple university presidents, including one, I think, uh, dropping here about the University of Seattle. If you are a realignment degenerate, which I know many of my extra points people are, you're going to be interested in that. Brian had some really insightful ones about the state of the, of the sports media industry, especially, especially about broadcasting, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are interested in right now. Collegiate Sports Connect is free. Uh, and uh, you can find those videos by setting up an account there. Um, do we have anything else to, to promote real quick?
1: no i think that's a that's a good summary of things i mean obviously even right before this i ended up speaking with uh, boo corrigan who just took over you know duties as as the cfp chairman so a lot of interesting football content on on there as well and and look if you're somebody who's maybe outside of the sports industry but wants to kind of get in in the sports industry this is a good way to not only kind of keep up with the times and and understand what's going on in this world but uh, there's also a lot of job opportunities and and whatnot on that collegiate sports connect platform so good way to go go from there obviously you can give us five stars on on apple podcast or Spotify. Or whether you're able, wherever you're able to uh, kind of rate and review us, and uh, honestly, uh, the best place to find a lot of this uh, content, uh, not only on Extra Points but uh, the D One ticker as well, from uh, news stories to these uh, College Sports Connect videos to uh, this year podcast, it's uh, it's a great way to get everything in an easily digest digestible format um, on, on a daily basis.
0: It is the one of the few newsletters that I read uh, just about every single time, and I'm not just saying that because they help sign my checks. Um, of course, and, and as always, if you enjoy going for two, uh, please leave us positive reviews on Spotify or Apple and help let your friends know if you're, hey, listen, there's another, you know, slash RCFB or RCBB uh, thread about offseason podcasts. Maybe mention this one. Mention it on your message board. Mention it on Twitter. Uh, Help other people who are unfamiliar with this world uh, get a chance to check out what we're doing. Um, And then, of course, subscribe to the Extra Points newsletter. I am Matt. That's Brian. We have a couple other stories like this coming up forward. uh, And we will be in touch with you again soon. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the Internet.